Special Saturday on these airwaves. My name is Casey Steen, the voice of your valley. Number six, News Talk Station, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Hey, come on. As you were said, Atwater. Legrand. All of the little communities up and down the 99. Hey, let's get right into it. Uh, today is Monday. It's not Monday. What am I doing? Today is Saturday, December 9th, uh, 2023. You never hear the wrong dates on this station, do you? Anyway, here we are, Saturday morning, the 8 a.m. hour. And as you know, we're so close to the end of 23. 24 is going to be here before you know it. As you know, the filing deadline ended Friday for those folks that want to be on the ballot in the upcoming election, and it looks like District 27, Assemblywoman Esmeralda Sorio will face a contender. That's right. A familiar face. Well, familiar, a familiar face. Years ago, she ran for Congress against Congressman Jim Costa, and now we have in studio Joanna Garcia-Rose. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Casey. Hey, well, great to have you in here. Let me get you the levels. we got to get all ready to go, and i got to turn the tape player off. Folks may remember Joanna as uh, Joanna Botello, right? Is that the right name? Yes, I ran as Joanna Garcia Botello originally 10 years ago. 10 years ago, and my how time flies. It's hard to believe I've been here that long, and uh, we had a lot of fun. She came into the studio back then. Uh, Mel Levy, who's now our current uh, registrar of voters, ran against or was in that race. And then, of course, Diamond Jim never lost a race. He, uh, <laughs> he pulled it out. Doesn't even represent the district anymore. And uh, Joanna uh, really gave it a, a great, had some great ideas, and now she brings those ideas to the Assembly District 27 race. So tell people a little bit about you that may not know the 10 years ago, you know, a lot of new people coming into the system. Who is Joanna Garcia-Rose? What do you want people to know about you? Um, I think the most important thing to know about me is that I am a concerned mother. I have a two and a half year old at home and I am a working working mom. I work for the state of California as an associate tax auditor for EDD. You know, the reason why I decided to put my hat in this race, I'm, I'm really not a politician, even though I am now a politician again, um, is because of the problems with California. This this is a home that I I love and I don't want to leave it. I want to fight to make California better. There's so many people packing up their U-Hauls and headed out. I'm tempted. I want to kind of do the same thing because I don't love what's going on here as far as crime, education and uh, our roads and cost of living. It's It's gotten out of hand, but... You know, before I pack up the U-Haul, I felt like we should try to fight to make our state great again. And you've been a businesswoman here in the state. You've ran businesses. Yes. I um, I actually moved to this area back in 2004. I was attending Fresno State as an undergraduate and started farming with my um, first husband. And we started water well drilling when the drought hit hard and there was a demand for that and we couldn't get we couldn't get water for our crops. So we kind of just uh, dug into that industry and, and, and started it up. Um, I'm still partners in a few things with some well drilling uh, going on in California, but that's been very much restricted based on a lot of the state uh, local um, legislature, uh, Governor Newsom is not helping things in my opinion i think that's probably most most californians opinions at this 
current moment. Um, I'm sure you saw a lot of uh, farmers, you know, when the water dries up, it really takes away the value of your land, what you can do with things like that. Like you say, the regulation Sigma, some of these sustainable groundwater management uh, policies. And uh, look what the state water board has done to us with the restrictions on our irrigation districts with the free flows and those type of things, letting the water just wash out to the sea and really kind of overlooking farming. Yeah, California is very wasteful. I am not going to advocate against, you know, environmentalism. I, I am an environmentalist in some regards. I think every farmer truly is an environmentalist. We care about the land and, and our future as, as citizens of the state, as citizens of America. But I also look at it on a national security level um, and just a joy level. I don't want to eat South America food. I want to eat California grown food. We have the best soil and the best environment to grow our own food. Why do we want to slap a bunch of solar panels over it and and ship that food in? What happens if there's an emergency? If, if you think about it at home, if you have an emergency and there's a scarcity of food, mm-hmm. do you give the food to your neighbor first and then feed your child? Mm-hmm. Or do you feed your child and yourself and then if there's any extra, you give it to the neighbor? So when we start outsourcing things like farming, that's a huge problem, not just for California, but for our country as a whole, because I don't think Venezuela is going to feed us first if there's a famine or a shortage. They're going to feed themselves first, and we're going to get what's left. You're actually right, and we feed the world through our excess. And, you know, I think of energy, how we've exported our energy production, and look what that's costing us. And, you know, right under our feet are some of the largest deposits. And, again, because of the the, the feeling in, uh, in, in the political circle here in California, we don't exploit that. And farmers do get a bad reputation. Uh, they are environmentalists just by... By the very nature, you don't have a farm in a family generations without taking care of the soil, without looking forward. And to say they're just exploiting it for financial gain, I think, is really short-sighted on some of these critics that come out against farmers. It, it really is. It's it's unfortunate that that's the, you know, the sentiment that's going around. It's all a lack of education. Mm-hmm. Um, California has a problem with education in general in our school systems. But on top of that, we just have a lack of education or knowledge for people because people are so far detached. I think that when they're focusing on education, instead of worrying about if a kid wakes up and they look in the mirror and they think, you know, am I a boy or a girl today? Why don't they wake up and think, am I going to learn something at school today? Let's learn about farming. Let's visit farms. I think that every school across the state should have to go visit their local college agriculture program uh, if there is one. Fresno State is where I went to school and my major was ag business and they have a huge farming operation that's very informative and lets you get like a hands-on feeling. I wasn't born a farmer. I was first generation. We, my husband, my first husband and I built that up from, from the ground up. We didn't have anyone that knew anything about it. I read USDA reports. Mm-hmm. I learned in school. I saw it. I drove tractors on the, fam, on the farm at, at Fresno State. I, I just stepped into it and learned it. And it's, it's amazing. And people don't have to all want to grow up to be a farmer necessarily, but every school age student mm-hmm. should be exposed to some sort of agriculture because they eat. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to eat. We all eat. Yeah. Well, and people, people, you know, it's crazy how many people think that their food comes from the grocery store and they don't know the, uh, the supply chain and, and uh, our schools have made some good inroads here, the farm to table, you know, some of the programs. But again, the adults are the ones we need to work on. The Assembly District uh, 27 was redrawn recently, uh, just as the congressional districts, uh, the census every 10 years. What is Assembly District 27? What's the area now, just so our listeners know uh, who you're representing? It's, what area? It's basically all of Merced County. So it's Turlock South and the whole entire Merced County. And then it's the west of... Uh, 
99 pretty much of Madera County. So it includes all of the city of Madera. So it goes a little bit east of 99, but not into the Ranchos. The Ranchos is um, the next over next over county. And then it goes all the way to the corridor of basically I-5, and it goes all the way down to Kalinga. So it gets the rural area of Fresno County, which includes cities like Kerman and Fireball um, and Kalinga. So... Yeah, Kalinga, I worked out there. I did the prison at Pleasant Valley, which I thought was an interesting name for a prison. It's an interesting district, 43% Democrat, 27% Republican, and the coveted Independent at 22%, who we always love to think will come over to the right side, and then 8% other. Uh, You have a really good chance in this race and uh, all kinds of opportunity. What sets you apart from uh, your opponent, Esmeralda, who's in her first term coming off as a Fresno City Councilwoman? Um, I mean, what really sets me apart is I, I think I'm not a, a career corrupt politician. And though this is her first cycle in the assembly, she was a city council before that. And there are lots of um, lists in Fresno about the possibility of corruption and misappropriation of funds and spending um, that she has, has faced and kind of just went away, I think, partly because of the party and the power they have. I, I don't think she was exonerated for those accusations. I think they just kind of um, didn't have enough, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt evidence. But she's she's got some serious issues. Um, I don't I don't have that. The last four plus years, I've been working as an associate uh, tax auditor for EDD. So I've been auditing businesses from. Lodi to Chowchilla pretty much uh, for their payroll taxes. So that is a review of all their financials. And um, it's been a really interesting uh, career choice, but it lets me see that the more I'm, I'm watching what's going on here in California, the small businesses are getting um, snuffed out. They're getting pushed under because you can't survive this uh, economy in California and the political um, requirements hanging over you if you're a little guy. You have to be the big guy. So all the little guys are kind of getting either ran out of business or forced to sell you know, take their cash out, run to Idaho um, or Florida and and sell to the big guy. Mm-hmm. And the big guys are, are getting bigger. Right. So, you know, to some extent, we're not losing all of what's being provided here in the valley because the big guy's picking it up. But we are losing that homegrown family value sense that we had as Americans, mm-hmm. not just as Californians. And um, that, that American dream, what I see going on nationally and on a state level, not really on a local level, uh, us in the Central Valley are blessed with mostly good local leaders that mm-hmm. try to be conservative in their regard and, and be capitalist. But I'm seeing the American dream being torn away from people, to be honest. The likelihood of my son having a brighter and better future than me is is not there. And that's unfortunate because that was my parents' goal for us, that, yeah. that their children would have a brighter, um, better future. And that's every parent's goal, I think, in, in my mind. That's what I want for him. So we're seeing that that go away because you're just seeing the big guys get bigger mm-hmm. and the little guys are getting littler uh, even state employees as much as you know we're we're unionized we're indoctrinated to have this certain sentiment and think you know a little more on the left side of things um all of us are suffering the the last contract that was negotiated i don't think was was super fair they gave some classifications five four three two one percent increases and then everybody got three percent why didn't we all just get five percent or six percent like inflation was over eight percent so we're all suffering with the eight percent inflation and some of us um get three 
percent and some of us get eight percent like why do some of us get to feed our families entirely and some of us get to go into debt to do that you know it's not fair inflation doesn't discriminate it it doesn't care what your job title is the cost to put gas in your in your tank is the same whether you're you know a lower level uh, employee whether you work for private sector or public sector those costs are all the same and we're seeing we're seeing those prices being so high in california because of over regulation well that's that's exactly what I'm going to say. Why small businesses? I have a, I'm a small electrical contractor, and the regulations you have to comply with, especially if you have employees, those type of things. Uh, it, it's just it's really onerous at times. In a, in a small firm, I noticed years ago, it seemed like people that had small fleets of vehicles they do their own maintenance and mm-hmm. stuff. But now to comply with all of the reporting requirements, you have to farm that out because the liability is incredible. Yeah, so it, it's 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 really well. You know, we're in a state that's uh, it's a little different. You know, the Democrats have super majorities not only in the Assembly, the Senate, the Governor. He's out there. Uh, you think he's running for president? Some of the trips he's going <laughs> on, and and uh, you know, it's been that way for for a few years. And the previous holder of the office, Adam Gray, you know, he's trying to move up to the congressional level. And thankfully, we have a little bit of a firewall there in uh, John Duarte. But you're a Republican, and uh, how do you how do you uh, rate the job they're doing up there in in Sacramento? I mean, let's you know, let's talk about homelessness that's something we see here in merced all the time homelessness is is rampant across the state and i know part of that is probably factored to the fact that you know the weather you're not going to be homeless in north dakota Mm because you probably freeze to death the first winter so you know we in florida are probably one of the few states that are are blessed where you could be homeless and not die so you know we're going to have more of it i think as a as a, a problem but we're not managing that well. We're spending billions of dollars to get rid of the homeless, and yet I see more homeless post-billion dollars than pre-billion dollars. So I yeah. don't. So it's not just me. I, I don't know where where that went, and you know, I, I think part of it is just this focus of what we need to focus on. Focus on things that help people. Not why are people homeless? People are homeless because they cannot afford to buy a home in this state, mm-hmm. or because they choose to be. Or because there's a mental health issue or an addiction issue. There are causes that are directly routed to homelessness. And we are throwing all this money at it, but we're not actually doing anything to solve the problem. So, you know, if we're going to throw money at things, building actual homes, cutting through the red tape, which now some of the, the people on the liberal lefts are are doing that. You know, they're waiving sequel, sequel, all these requirements that they're letting people, oh, churches can do this or whatever their new new plans are. But they've been in control. They've been in power for two decades. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If if I had two decades to solve these problems, they would not be worse. If right. if they were worse, then I was then I'm never going to solve them. There's there's an issue. Yeah, it's funny how we see the same problems. All this money, billions of dollars. I say it's an industry here in the county because uh, of all of the money that flows to the nonprofits, and the problem seems to get worse. Well, the time goes quick. We're going to go into the first break here. Citizen Watch. My name is Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Reset's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. We'll be, we'll be right back. Stick with us. back after the commercial break. I told you we'd be right back. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Reset's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM KYOS. Walking in, oh, we're walking in Merced. And we're here with Joanna Garcia-Rose. If that voice sounds familiar, 
It may be because, man, if I could get the buttons right on this panel. It may be because you heard her as, uh, well, she was a congressional candidate about 10 years ago, now running for the Assembly District, newly created Assembly District 27. Esmeralda Soria came down from, uh, or came up, I guess I get my directions wrong, from Fresno. Really didn't have any ties to the area where Joanna does is run a business, a successful well drilling business, agriculture. Actually now works for the state and uh, hopefully won't see any repercussions. We were talking about homelessness before and it seems the money uh, that they're throwing at it, it just gets worse and worse. So we don't really see any uh, respite. I don't know how much more, much more money we can spend. And when you talk about homelessness not having a home, as you know, government subsidized housing, five to six hundred thousand dollars a door. I don't know anybody that's working with a job that can afford that, let alone our homelessness. But another area, a big area, and we see it here, and, and it kind of goes hand in hand, is crime. How do you feel the uh, supermajority up there in the state is doing on crime? They're perpetuating it to be worse because they're eliminating the consequences. If you run and jump off a cliff, you die. You don't do it again. That's You're the right. end of it. Mm-hmm. If if you rob a store and uh, steal from someone, you, you pay a consequence. But not anymore. You just get catch-release, catch-release. The... Um, the thing that really stands out in my mind is I remember when they were looking for that, that mother and that child that they found in an orchard. And as a mother with a, with a young child, it breaks my heart that the person um, killed the mother and then just left the baby for dead. So the baby actually died hours later in its mother's arms in the middle of a field um, or starved to death. And um, that person was, was out from committing a prior crime. He should have been locked up and that never should have happened. So that's, that's the stories. Then there's a million of them in the whole entire state, not just the Central Valley. And those things are the things that really break my heart because how many lives have to be taken before we get serious with crime? And maybe I'm a smidge biased. I worked at Valley State Prison when it was for women. And then again, when it was for men, I've worked in parole at Sex Offender Management Board for the state. So maybe I'm a little biased, but, um, you know, there's consequences to every action. There's a reaction. And right now the state has been um, been propagating this scenario where there isn't. You're actually incentivized to do it more because you rob someone and you just escalate it to the next level because you got away with it and there was no, no consequence or no repercussion. And so we, we need to manage that better. We need to let people know we are not going to tolerate this. We are going to be safe walking down the streets with our families. And there's going to be always some some crime that happens, but it's not going to be continual. Plus, if I, if I think about the recidivism rate, that was something when I worked in corrections that's probably still a big, a big deal. Um, recidivism is where, you know, the likelihood of committing another crime afterwards when you, when you get out and helping, helping inmates um, be educated and learn and grow into being productive members of society who are law-abiding citizens. Um, that's the focus on that. And so I'm all for... Uh, rehabilitation. I really am. I think that everyone makes mistakes over their life. I've made countless mistakes. I'm sure you've made countless mistakes. Many. But we can learn from them. Mm-hmm. If we have someone helping us to give us that education we need to help us overcome it, it's a stepping stone to the next level. But, you know, we're actually ste- stepping to the next level of crimes because there's no one there's no one reaching out to help you learn from it and and move to the right direction. So, you know, my seat alone isn't going to save California. I'm one of, of many. I'm one of 80 assembly members. So <clears throat> there's only 18 currently in the assembly right now out of the, the other or 62 are the other side. So it's right. going to be difficult to get things done. But 
if we get this seat back and a couple more, then we'll be at 20, 21. Next election cycle, we can get a couple more. I'm just wanting people to, to set aside party. Let's stop saying them and they and us and that. I don't care about Democrat or Republican. I care about people. Mm-hmm. I am a mother and I am a person living in Merced County who doesn't want to suffer these problems. So as a person looking at it from you know a broad spectrum, the supermajority has been in place for a long time. Mm-hmm. The Democratic Party has had control for at least a decade, more like two decades. Mm-hmm. And we have seen nothing but homelessness increase, crime increase, affordability increase. Um, and that's a problem. We need affordability to go down. We need to make things more affordable where you can go to the grocery store and not wonder how you're going to afford to go to the grocery store the last time at the month because you ran out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need to focus on those things. And clearly, reelecting all these politicians that are indoctrinated in this system isn't what's solving the problem. So I don't care what we try that's different, but let's try something different. I'm something different. The incumbent went to college like I did, went to law school like I did, practiced law, which I did not, um, and then worked in uh, political offices for various assemblymen and senators, which I have not. I've never worked for a politician. And then she ran for this office because Adam Gray vacated it, so she felt like she could you know, just step into it. So mm-hmm. she came up from out of district, actually. She rents a home in Fresno in our district. But her husband owns a 7,000-square-foot mansion eight miles away, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they don't live there. Um, she, she came to this district to run in it to just get to the next stepping stone. She's, she's my age, you know, young 40s. Um, I'm late 30s. And her only experience in life is politics. That's not what we need running our country or our state, because clearly those people haven't been doing a good job of it. We need people who have had their boots be dirty. And I know she comes from a family who worked hard. She comes from an immigration family, and that's honorable and respectable. But going to college and just taking advantage of constituents and not really doing the service that's required and representing them is not is not honorable. It's not right. And so, you know. I decided to run for this seat because I want to do what's right for this this county, uh, both all three counties, Fresno, Madera, and Merced County. I want to take care of the home that I have to raise my son in. She doesn't raise her family in this community. We do. So I just want people, when they're looking at the ballot, to, if they're not going to vote R, uh, you know, set it aside and look at the person and vote for who's not an indoctrinated career politician, because I am not an indoctrinated career politician. No, that's great. No, and I love, I love what you're saying. You know, you're, you bring a, a wealth of different experiences that are relevant to the issues working in cdcr or was it ccdr yeah. cdcr you yeah it. and uh it's just uh you know i think some of that being a business person uh close to farming seeing what ag water issues and that's some of the experiences that the current office holder doesn't have and when you talk about crime everybody wants to scream about response uh, rights but there's responsibilities and that's what you're talking about the accountability and yes just letting uh people uh go crazy and you know affordable you know, life. You know, we talked about inflation and how crazy it is. I think off the air, but uh, when you talk about affordable housing, it, it's not getting any more affordable. And I don't know how. It seems that like you have to enjoin in, in, in the private sector somehow to incentivize them to create more housing, right? Um, I think that they would create more housing if we stepped back some of the regulation, if it wasn't so burdensome. And that's, I was asked on a questionnaire how I feel about uh, prevailing wage mm-hmm. and if that should be, you know, a thing. And for public jobs. 
okay, that's, you know, fair. We got to keep public sector behaving. Um, and they asked about private sector. And my answer to the private sector question was, you know, if you just let capitalists be capitalists right. and be successful, when they're making a ton of money, they will reward their employees. They will have to give them good compensation to keep them. Mm -hmm. So if your business is thriving and excelling, I mean, look at Google. Mm -hmm. Look at the stuff in the Silicon Valley. They provide like chefs and free food. You know, yeah, as, sure as an auditor, I went to um, a business in, out of state. But I mean, I thought I walked into a nightclub when I went to their break room. It had a staffed full bar. They have happy hour every Tuesday and Thursday after hours. You can't drink during. I was like, is that alcohol? <laughs> She's like, oh, I can't serve till after five. Wow. And it's like, because, you know, they're thriving. They're doing well. And they're sharing that wealth with their workers. And that's how they continue to thrive. So I think if the government would actually get their hands out of it and just let businesses be businesses and be successful, actually reach the American dream, we would all see the benefits of that. And, I, you know, I look at California. When was California great? I think California was great when I was a kid. I, I think too. it was great when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Look at the leadership in the 90s and the early 2000s. You're right. It's very different than the leadership that we have now. Yeah, no, it was uh, definitely more conservative, definitely more law and order and you know, when you when you talk about things changing, it it, it is night and day how how quickly it's it's changed, and people just don't quite uh, appreciate you know all of the uh, the sacrifices that those before have made, and they just want to you know overlook that, especially the business community, private enterprise, that sort of thing, uh, releasing and, the and capitalists. I don't, I don't want it to swing full pendulum. I don't want to see complete Republican control either. I don't want there to be no Democrat left standing in, no, no. in California. But balance is what America's founded on. That's you know we have all the different checks and balances across the different departments of government and that's carried down to state level with all of our checks and balances and right now when you have all these super majorities and complete one-sided control you have zero balance mm -hmm. make anything in in the real world work with no balance and it's not going to no and, and you see some frustration on the other side with them uh, relaxing things that they were so adamant on like you talked about sequel a little while ago some of these things because even they realize it's not working out after 20 years what are we going to do how are we going to uh uh, how are we going to uh, do this? Let's talk about farm and agricultural issues. You know, when it comes to water, uh, the party's completely falling down on the Democratic side. They're just taking the water, the lifeblood of the of farming. What do you think? Uh, how are we going to approach this with these unappointed or these unelected appointed water boards that have so much power and some of these other agencies? I mean, how do you fight that just with numbers and try to try to uh, change their mind? I mean, the, they wouldn't. So power comes with scarcity. So water is a scarcity here in California during most years. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not last year when it was flooding near my house. It a little less of a scarcity. Usual, yeah. But, um, you know, the power is there because there's a scarcity. So these boards have all this power. And I don't know... Um, without a complete reversal of power that we're going to overcome that. So we might not be able to get rid of them, but we need to focus on things that we can do and we can push hard to help people see, to start electing uh, representatives that will fight to get us more water. If there is more water, there is less power because there's less fighting about it. So these boards wouldn't have, if everyone got a hundred percent allocation across the board, what power does, you know, what power does the board actually have? They mm -hmm. don't really have, if, if there's tons of water, there is no power. So I think we need to not focus so much on who's pointing their finger and, and you know, who's under whose thumb and who has this or that, but we need to focus on actually solving the real problem, which is how we take the 
tons of water that we get every year. Mm-hmm. We get tons of water that just rolls out to the ocean. We have the ability to build desalinization plants uh, on coastal cities. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to capture this water and store it. We have the ability to incentivize, you know, percolation things. And we are working towards doing some of that. The state is already doing doing some of that because it's, you know, decades of problems. People's eyes are starting to open even on the other side and like, wait, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also find that I feel like the left side likes the scarcity implement because it gives them the power and the authority. And so as a conservative person, I don't want power and authority. I don't want to be in control. I don't want you to look at me and ask me how you, how you, you know, make dinner. I don't, I want you to know how to make your own dinner. You decide what you want to get, what's in your fridge. You don't need to look at me for permission of how to do it. But you know, the left side's like, well, I'm going to hand you this bag lunch. They don't, they don't want you to learn how to make your own sandwich. They want to just give you the sandwich. That way you just keep coming back the next day to get the the next sandwich. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to create um, where people depend on themselves that whole, you know, biblical concept. If you um, teach a man to fish, he can feed himself for all his life. If you mm-hmm. just give him a fish, he's only fed for one day. Right. You know, those principles are, are just, to me, common sense principles that we can carry out. Um, and they, they cross party lines. Any Anyone at home understands that. Well, like, you know, squirrels, uh, animals kind of like the nuts for the winter and why we're not saving, like you say, this abundant rainfall. Uh, to me, impoundment. We need more dams. I mean, we hear all of the above. I'm sure being in water, you heard about conservation, groundwater storage, recharge, all this. But nothing beats a dam. I mean, nothing beats <laughs> actually holding back the water that's coming in. Mm-hmm. That's we we and we've had the money. The problem is for decades we've had the funding to be mm-hmm. able to do some of these things, but we've lacked the. Um, support from higher level government to mm. to actually do them and uh, as much as it's a federal issue on a lot of the water stuff i've seen states and other states where they've exercised a lot of their own discretion and a lot of their own power so newsom and our senate and our assembly could could you know get the ball in our court and, and exercise some power if we really wanted to but i think they do it on purpose they want the scarcity well folks you know we're uh, talking about water we're going to talk about the uh, state population as we uh, get into the next segment we've had with us and we'll continue joanna garcia rose she's running for the 27th assembly district currently represented by esmeralda soria there's going to be a big election coming up in march march 5th i believe right yes sir and so uh, we're going to get to know uh, joanna a little bit better after these brief commercial messages the time goes so quick i wasn't watching the clock i apologize we'll be right back I don't own blue suede shoes, but they would be cool. Hey, here we are, Citizen Watch, third third and final segment. I didn't know how they were going to go, but uh, we've had a great time with our guest, Joanna Garcia-Rose. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. Got to give the slate there. The FCC gets mad. Citizen Watch, every Saturday morning, trying to bring you some uh, new content. And of course, here we are, the 9th of December. It's amazing how quick... The uh, time goes, and uh, again, Joanna's been very nice to come in. She's representing the 27th District. The voice may sound familiar for you longtime listeners. She actually uh, made a try at the Congressional District 
it's got a new number too of course diamond jim costa never lost a race uh, mel levy was in that race that's kind of going back down memory lane and i really got to give you credit joanna for throwing your hat back in the ring you know what this is like <laughs> running for office uh you know f- friends and family be- behind you and the support but uh we were talking a little bit about the uh, the state population is struck and the the budget's doubled and uh with 65 billion dollars in the hole we're not getting the services how are we going to get it if we're in the hole there's a lot of problems with the um with the budget and what the state is doing and where they focus their funds um part of it was the contract they just negotiated i know from you know rumors that i've heard they gave some people raises but not everyone well some of the people they gave raises to um their bosses didn't get raises so they can't make more than their boss that's a violation so then they have to give the bosses raises that wasn't calculated into this budget so i know there's a bunch of confidential stuff that's going on that's that's going to throw things out of whack on top of the fact that 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 our our government in general overspends you know Mm -hmm. that's their uh their their mo is to you know buy buy our way out of it and sometimes you can't buy your way out of it you just got to pick up a shovel you know sometimes there's no um Amazon Prime to get something done. You got to just physically do it yourself. So, right. yeah, that's hard for people to grasp. But that's you know why I've thrown my hat back into the ring here. I understand the sacrifice and what I'm giving up, and the year that I'm going to lose out on every moment with my son is going to be worth it if I can protect his future in this place that I call my home. So, you know, that's that's what I'm doing is trying to make a difference. And we don't have to get complete control to make a change. We just have to end a supermajority and get balance in California back. Because as soon as you balance the scales, things, good ideas will prevail because they have to, you know, you'll have counterparts that say, oh, no, oh, no. Um, and, and that would keep us in check too. conservatives and capitalism. We won't be you know, making too much money, doing too many great things. We'll we'll be checked by the other side to make sure that we're still taking care of the homeless or feeding, you know, helping the poor get get their way up. But if you look at a, a conservative person, most of those people actually um spend money giving they want they spend time giving back to the community they want to help you know there's a food bank here in um, Merced County you know there's a lot of programs that people in the community work hard to have there as a resource to help people so we don't always need the government you know instituting this is what your tax dollars have to do sometimes we can see our own need and satisfy it on our own so you know the property tax thing is going to be interesting as the current um current legislature is attacking it uh you know stay tuned farmers homo any homeowner anyone who owns property is potentially going to have property taxes popping through the roof um when they eliminate the right to be protecting prop 13 yeah prop 13 is a huge deal they've attacked that on many fronts they're attacking they're attacking again and they're winning they you know that's pushed through so we'll see what happens with the the election cycle and what what people do uh to counter this you know a friend of mine was saying well who made these rules why why is this this boy that that pants my four-year-old in tk why is he not getting punished who who we, didn't we vote for this i didn't vote for this i don't remember voting for this and i said well you did vote for this when you elected the democrat assemblyman and senator uh the senator that passed that bill all of the democratic senate that pushed that through and Newsom signed it. So you did vote for it. You didn't mm-hmm. specifically get to line item pick it, but that's why people need to bring themselves back to realize 
that's what a representative does. They represent your best interest in drafting legislation. Mm -hmm. So when you just continue voting for a D because it's what you've always done Mm -hmm. and they're so far off, they don't even care what's best for you. Um, And they don't ask you. And you keep reelecting them. So there's, again, no consequence Mm -hmm. because you don't change your voting habits because, oh, I can't vote for I can't vote for the other party. I would never do that. I would never betray my my people. I'll tell you what, if there is a race where there is a Democrat who is more grounded and more rooted in the area and going to be a better representative, I'm going to probably vote for that Democrat. Right. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I love how the one party uh, always brings up the class envy, you know, tax the rich, kill the rich. They're the problem, and yet uh, they're the ones that generate the tax dollars. They're the ones, like you say, giving the, the extra when there's excess. And I think to vilify people with money is, is, is just is just wrong because you can't lump everybody in. Obviously, there's some people that are in it for themselves, but that cost cuts across both party lines. And, and, and I, I think that... Uh, uh, the, the the Democrats are a little disingenuous with playing these uh, these these forces against each other, the have and the have nots, saying, "Well, there's all your money; it's over there." They're they're making the gap bigger. So mm-hmm. I've never seen it more in history or my life. Like I, you know, when I was in school, they taught us history, so yeah. I've seen it in history. Um, some people maybe not now, but. You watch these movies, The Hunger Games, Divergent. Everyone's for the resistance. Everyone sees the problem of big government and just outlandish regulations and what they're doing. And they, you know, fighting to get their rights back. Mm -hmm. Everyone sees that. But then when they still go down and they still vote for the same old career politicians that are just flushing us down the toilet and they're making the gap bigger. In the end of the day, that's their goal. Build big business. That's what all these lobbyists do. That's what all this money is. It's, It's... it's unfortunate, but there is a ton of corruption. And if we don't start saying enough is enough, we have to send, even if, if I do a bad job in next next election cycle, like don't vote me in, vote someone else in. Like we have to just continue to do a turnover of these politicians as often as necessary to get new blood in so that it can be a representation, a true representation of the people, for the people, by the people, of the people, not the elitists. All mm-hmm. these people in office that are making all these decisions, the super majority, Newsom. Newsom's not of the people, for the people, by the people. He's had a silver spoon in his mouth his whole life. He's for Gavin. He's for Gavin in the Democratic Party. I agree. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the uh, main differences between. I mean, we've we've highlighted a lot of them. <laughs> Just the uh, the uh, the style of, of how you would uh, govern. But but talk a little bit more pointedly, uh, Esmeralda. She's been in office now. What two? It's a two-year cycle, about a year, I guess, and, yes. uh, and it's coming up. But what, what are the main differences between you and her? I mean, you've, you're a businesswoman. You've, you've had a lot of experience, CDCR. What are some of the other things? Um, yeah, I've, I've worked my whole life. I worked all through college. I paid for my own college tuition. It did get forgiven because I'm a civil servant. I spent... 10 years working for the state of California. So that's, that's, you know, I got way less money than some people I know. And as an auditor, I'm seeing what people actually get paid because I audit payroll taxes. So I've been sitting here this last like year going, wait a minute, I could be, I could be a controller. I could be running this company and be making two times what I make Mm -hmm. right now. Like, why am I working for the government? What's wrong with me? Um, But it's important. You know, you have to keep, how do you keep the government fair and honest? I, I, I keep it fair and honest because I do a good job. I follow the letter of the law and I try to make sure that I'm educating people when I'm doing these audits and helping them be compliant voluntarily and not not exercising a whip. I'm not, you know, coming down on someone just for the sake of it. I'm coming down on someone who who 
needs to come down on them. But I've never actually even encountered someone who didn't just make a mistake. Right. And you fix it. That's yeah. what that's what that's what an audit is. An audit is looking for problems, looking for fraud possibly, but looking for problems and then finding why the problem happened and solving the problem so that it doesn't happen again. You could bring that analytical nature to the job. And that's, you know, the state has trained me to do that looking at other people's taxes to make sure that they're not getting cheated out of their share of of payroll taxes, but I mean, how how many outside people are coming in looking at what they're doing? Right. I don't think anybody. We, we need, the, and that's what our representatives are supposed to be doing because they're supposed to be representing us. And as, as a person in the district, we would want to know what's going on and make sure that we're, we're checking those boxes, that they're doing things right. And representing all of us. And I think some people feel that they're not being represented by their leaders now currently in office. There's an agenda that sometimes doesn't include them especially in the business and uh, the community that to me is the one that generates the funds that these guys want to spend. And it's just such a disconnect. A lot of it is also being a people pleaser or not, I think to some extent, like Esmeralda Soria took a pledge to say green. You know, she went with her party line and she's a hundred percent green, no issues. uh, When she was running for Congress against Costa, actually she ran the same seat I had done um, before that. But then Moments later, within the same election cycle, she took like $10,000 from Big Oil. And then she decided, oh, no, I'm going to do anything necessary to create jobs in the Valley for my constituents. That's not actually true. What you did is you did whatever was necessary to help yourself look good and get the yeses from everybody you needed yeses from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes as a representative, you're going to have to make hard choices and not please everybody. Because you have to be true to yourself and honest and true to the people you're representing. So sometimes you don't get to just lie and manipulate. Sometimes you just speak the truth. Yeah, I've I've, uh, often accused some of our politicians of trying to serve too many masters, and you're never going to please. You can only serve one. And, you know, it's really been uh, great having you back in and talking about Assembly District 27 because it is a big race. It's probably going to be decided in March. If there's only two folks, there won't be a runoff. So it's an all-or-nothing thing. If people want to help you, how do they get in touch with you? Or you imagine you're going to be out in the community now. We're 90 days away from the election. You've been out in the community. I know trying to schedule this interview, she was all over the valley the last few days. But uh, I imagine you're doing the outreach. People want to get in touch with you. Have them come talk to you. Give a coffee. What? what how do they get a hold of you? Um, yeah, you can reach out to me. You can give me a call. Um, honestly, it's um, 559-223. 1717 is my actual personal cell phone and I don't have a problem with people calling me because I'm running for a seat where I'm representing you so if someone wants to reach out to me um, I'm happy to take take the call I have a website joannaforthevalley.com I like that so I, I liked it too I for I was debating on how we do it with the last names but um, with my maiden name and my married name but, no, but Joanna, Joanna is better I liked it mostly because I felt like we should be on a first name basis with our representatives they yeah. are representing us so I really liked that that's how I feel about everyone I'm representing so yeah. you know go to the website follow me on Facebook and uh, there's links to that all on the website you can send an email on the website and set up an appointment if there's an event or, or you're doing something even just like your organization's having a little meeting sure. I'm happy to come by I, I can't know about everything just, um, you know, without someone telling me. Well, so. and it's incumbent upon some of these organizations and their members uh, to reach out to you and, and get you in front of the group because I think that uh, that's really what it's going to take, this grassroots effort. Now, what's that phone number again? 559 what? 223-1717. 
1717. And even though I have it, I'm writing it down for a reason. So you guys are writing it down. And again, uh, we've had with us in studio for uh, the whole hour, which is amazing how quick it went. <laughs> and and we didn't cover everything. There's a lot more uh, uh, issues that will be coming up. There's a lot of time between, well, not a lot of time, but 90 days or so between now and the election. And I would encourage uh, my listeners to reach out to jo- Joanna Garcia Rose, who's running for Assembly District 27. And uh, thanks for coming in today. Anything you want to end up with, just let us know. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great opportunity. I really appreciate the time to kind of get the message out to to more more listeners and, and people in this valley so that they can know that there is an option. You know, there's a better option. Sometimes there's not a better option. Sometimes we just get one option. But this year, we have a better option when it comes to the assembly seat. And we we need to exercise our options to make the change that we want to see. Well, she's a well-qualified candidate, and I think she'd do a great job up there in the assembly. She has the chop. She's been around the block. She knows what the concerns are. You've heard them in the last hour. And again, if you have any more uh, interaction you want to have with Joanna running for Assembly District 27, give her a call at 559 that's right. It's a it's a Fresno area code, but hey, that's where our representative is now, Fresno. Even though she kept the old number two two three number. Yeah, Chowchilla. We love Madera County. God bless those guys down there. Two two. You got the big AutoZone warehouse. Everybody goes, "What is that?" I said, "That's that's money down there." Five five nine two two three one seven one seven. Joanna, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, folks, we really appreciate uh, Joanna coming in. Very she very busy schedule primary coming up in uh, just about 90 days uh, with the animal primary here in california it's the top two vote getters regardless of party right now it looks as if it will just be joanna and esmeralda need to set that precedent in march going into the november general it's a long road for assembly district 27 we wish joanna all the best well we're out of time my name's casey steve the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk Station 107.3 FM 1480 AM KYOS. We'll see you next week.